everyone, and welcome to episode 649 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello, how are you? I'm in awe right now, the perfect amount of Mississippis, and I'm ready to talk comics, too. I wrote down 845, but it actually was 843 for the Mississippis. Oh, okay. No more, no less. That's what I like. That's what I like. You're... you're you're on point. You're like a laser, Joe. You're a laser. Yes. When when people look at me and they're like, look at him. He's the human laser. <laughs> That's the living laser, Joe. The living laser. That's his name, the living laser. That's right. It's a comic book podcast. I know these things. I, I knew there was a man who was a laser. I just couldn't remember if it was the human laser or the living <laughs> laser. But alliteration works when you're a laser, yeah. you know? And I'm the living lazier. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, but I need a new way to open up my podcast. I open up all my podcasts the exact same way. With your big uh, sausage fingers? No, no, that's how I open up my hot links. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I introduce the show, whatever. I introduce myself and my co-host, and then I say to the co-host, how are you? Right. I need something uh, different. I don't know. I got to work on that. That's right. I'll write you something up. I'll get our writers on. Get it. the get the writing staff on this one. This is an important yeah. one. Right, the whole staff, not just yeah, some. something like Poochie, but not like so lame. You know, right? Where, where's Joe? Why isn't Joe on the microphone? All right. Uh, so hey, we got news this week. We got a ton of new number ones and creative teams uh, for the Dawn of DC books that they're doing throughout 2023. Um. DC is doing a bit for April Fools and uh, put this in the column of rare bits I approve of. Oh, okay. Uh, and we have good news in regards to one of the many, 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 many <laughs> Warner properties that had <laughs> cartoons coming out that were canceled. Right. Uh, we also have what we read this past week, uh, which is Adventures of Superman, John Kent, number one, and The Gimmick from Ahoy Comics. What we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, we also have discussion of the latest episode of The Mandalorian. And will this be yet another week of Name That Tune style <laughs> reviews? We shall see. Right. Uh, and, of course, the main event, um, which, you know, is right on before intermission, so you can go buy tickets for next week. Uh, Todd and Joe have issues where we're discussing issues 21 and 22 of Sandman, which is Season of Mists. Yeah. And I always have to double-check myself, because I always want to say seasons, plural, of mists, plural, but it's just season singular of mists, plural. Uh, see, I always want to say seasons, plural, of mist, singular. Right. So I always have to look myself, too. And um, just because I'm going to say, and I am going to praise an unheralded person on this book, uh, especially the, uh, on this episode, Joe. And uh, Todd, I know you're going to be surprised on this, but I actually have legitimate wrestling connections to these issues that we're going to talk about. Oh, well, I have issues anytime you talk about wrestling. So. <laughs> well, go listen to After Dark this week for more wrestling talk. Let's go Double J. <laughs> so DC announced a bunch of new number ones uh, with a bunch of new creative teams. And I will be completely honest with you. I am sorely unfamiliar with a bunch of them. Um, it's books that I knew that were coming. Uh, like I know they're doing the... 
uh, Steelworks book where they're doing a John Henry. Uh, they're calling him it's John Henry Irons, but a lot of the press release stuff says Adams anyway. Um, and it's written by Michael Dorn. Yes, uh, he's, Worf. Right, of, he's uh, not typically a comic book writer. He's a he's a Klingon from the Star Trek, ain't he? Yeah, and in the article it said that he played the voice of Steel in DC the animated series, but maybe one of the like movies or thing because I know he did the voice in Justice League Unlimited and Superman episodes of Calabac. Right. So, but maybe he was Steel too. So again, interesting to see him doing a comic book. Um Jadizia Axelrod, um, who's done like ori- some of the original graphic novels uh, over at DC, is doing a Hawkgirl book. And Hawkgirl's on the short list of people that I'm a sucker for. I'll definitely give that a look, you know? Right. Um, but I think some of the more, um, I think, higher profile stuff that we would say is that Tom King and Daniel Sampier are doing a Wonder Woman number one. Right. Uh, they're relaunching that, and Cy Spurrier and Mike Diodato are doing a new Flash run. Which of the two, like, of all those people, like Cy Spurrier doing this and, you know, uh, people writing books, I thought because Mike Diodato created his own comic company, like, he left Marvel. Remember, like, I go into Marvel, and we even, like, reviewed a couple of the comics that he had done and he had this company who was doing stuff with uh, michael uh, j straczynski and stuff like that so i was shocked to hear that he was going to do a mainstream dc title right but i think that's really really cool um, that is really really cool that's um size spurrier i run kind of hot and cold with right um, sometimes his stuff gets a little too heady for my liking yeah, because he had a Hellblazer book that I wasn't big on, and then he he was he doing he was doing some of the dreaming stuff. I was like, nah, I'd like. But then again, as we'll get into later on, that Neil Gaiman, it's like that's a high bar to jump when you're doing any Sandman offshoot. And I'm saying, oh, well, you're not writing it as well as Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where my mind goes. But uh, I'm interested to see where Tom King's going to do on Wonder Woman. You know? Yeah, that's so. definitely going to be interesting. And again, how long he runs on an ongoing book? You know? Yeah, and did you see that these are spinning out of, like, issue 800s? Did you see the two 800s that they're doing? Yes. Uh, which, well, the one is going to have a Mark Wade story, the Flash is going to have a Mark Wade story, and a Jeff Johns story with Scott Collins, and I'm like, oh my god, thirty, almost 30 years uh, to the second to, for the return of Barry Allen storyline for Mark Wade. I thought that was, uh, that's really cool. But the Wonder Woman book that's starting with number one, and I don't know if the Flash book is doing this, on the cover in the article for Wonder Woman, it has issue number one, and then below it, it has legacy number. It has 801. So I, the Flash doesn't have a picture of a cover. It just has a Mike Diodato uh, picture, which I don't know will be the cover, but doesn't have any of the logos or anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that they leave the legacy number for the Flash book, too. Um, I think that would be kind of cool. That way they could fudge the numbers and get us to 1,000 faster. Well, I th- so I think that is true because it's not like – uh, it's not a like major news story, but I guess with just the way that everything works out is um, issue 135 of the um, Chip Zdarsky Batman that's coming out in a couple months. Right. Is issue 900 of Batman. Okay, yeah. And I right. saw a cover for it today, and it said 135, and it had the little legacy numbering thing on it as well. 
Right. So I wonder so, if they're going to keep going from there. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So that'll be interesting. Um, you know, if anyone should be doing legacy numbering on their books, it's DC. Right. Like, like the, the company that built themselves on legacy stuff, you know? Right. And has comics that legit go back to the golden age. Yeah. You know, like when Flash was the golden age, then it took a break. It ended at 104, then came back years later as 105 is the silver age. You know what I mean? So it's like they legit have spanning the era comics. Right. Um, so, yeah, that so that'll be interesting. The the Flash 800, I, I definitely had on my list of things to get because of the Mark Wade story, because the Jeff Johns, Scott Collins stuff, of course. And just to kind of thread back through to the Michael Dorn stuff, while you are correct that he has done primarily Calabac in the DC animated Justice League whatevers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he did do the voice of Bane on Batman Brave and the Bold. Okay. Uh, he also did, I just had it here in front of me as I'm click, click, clicking through stuff. Um, he did the voice of Atrocitus on Justice League Action, which was more like the little kids version of stuff. Right. And on the original Superman animated series, he also did Calabac and Steel. Oh, okay. Yeah. So and going did- all the way, all the way back. And he did the voice for Prometheus in the Arrow TV show, too. That doesn't count. Well, it's a voice, so... That's not an animated thing, though. That is true, but I'm just... It is a comic book-related project. Mm -hmm. DC, anyway. And on top of all the DC stuff, even though it's not coming out alongside Free Comic Book Day, uh, DC is putting out a primer of the Dawn of DC stuff, written by Joshua Williamson. Uh, I think it comes out, like, the second week of May, kind of ahead of some of these bigger releases that we're talking about. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, they're claiming it's a free comic book day thing, but it's not going to be in comic shops for comic free comic book day weekend. Right. I bet he's the showrunner, Joe. (laughs) I think DC should make a villain called the showrunner. Yeah. And then, you know, and did I, and I don't know if we mentioned that last week or this week. Um, so not only is it going to be, um, so the, and just as a, okay, we didn't mention uh, so th- we have the Dawn of DC primer, and then they're doing that separate book that's coming out for Free Comic Book Day, which is the Night Terrors thing. Right. And I forget if we mentioned this. Uh, the art on it is by Howard Porter and Chris Piccolo. Right. What was Who hasn't done DC projects in forever? And what was some of the old DC projects he did? <laughs> Sandman. Mm, and this is about Night Terror sounds like something that you would have if you dreamed. I don't know. It's weird. All right. Uh, but as we mentioned before, um, so we talked about Tom King and we're fans of Tom King's work. You know, we just came off spending the last year plus because, again, it was a you know 12 issue miniseries with a 13th issue and a break. Uh, the Human Target, which was fantastic. But one of the things that Tom King is known for uh, is being a really good writer. Mm-hmm. One of the things that Tom King is not known for is being a very bad artist. Yes. Well, I knew this, but go ahead. And this goes back to, I would think, the most... Um, when this really became a thing was when he did the Batman Elmer Fudd one-shot. Yes. During the course of his Batman run, and people were going to get it signed by him, and then he was doing these very crude sketches and doodles on the the book and it blew up it became like a viral sensation right mm-hmm. 
So then people were bringing the blank variant covers to him mm-hmm. to do things, and they were just continuing to be uh, these very crude and rudimentary drawings of, like, Batman stick figures, you know? Right, like, swinging on a rope and stuff like that. Yeah, like, literally, like, arrows pointing to people so you know who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and for book shipping next month, they are doing, DC are doing a line of variant covers specifically for some of the bigger Batman books and the Tom King books that are coming out of Tom King crude rudimentary variant covers right but they're not going to give away any of the art right so do you know do you you know what i'm thinking is going to happen that it's going to be an actual april fool's joke and we're going to get them and they're going to look gorgeous and it's not going to be tom king like there's going to be something with them that like maybe tom king did a doodle somewhere on it but it's going to be like a jim lee cover with a like uh, Tom King doodle, and then everybody's gonna get mad because they didn't order enough because Jim Lee's involved, hmm. and it's gonna become a whole thing, which would never happen at DC. You know what I mean? See, I, you, I think you're overthinking this, which definitely is something that doesn't happen on this show, right? Um, I think that it's gonna be what it is because the solicitations for them say, um, in uh, um. And it mentions about um, Tom King making his debut uh, as a DC cover artist. And in order to preserve the April Fool's Day fun, DC will not reveal uh, King's artwork for these covers before the books arrive in shops. But if you've seen any of his sketches he's posted on social media over the years, you likely have a pretty good idea of what to expect. Yes. So because that specific verbiage is in there, I think we're going to get his crude drawings we're not going to get like a fake out where it's a jim lee like gorgeous cover with tom king just like putting his name on it right but that being said all anything is legal as long as you say april fools after it i i I guess that's that's all i know and eh, maybe i do overthink but i just i was like that's immediately where my mind went did i ever tell you the story about one of our friends getting the doodle no, um, in you did not. From Tom King. So I forget the name of the reps that that they that do like Tom King, Mitch Gerads. Like they're like they're at a show and they have like a table with the skirt on it that says the name. Like maybe it's like essential something. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. They have reps and the reps are there to get your as much money as they can, and then um, the people don't have to look bad. You know what I mean? The 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 talent. So and that's usually like the the people who are kind of cracking the whip or the, the 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 people who work behind the table, not the talent. So we're in line going up, and this person who maybe you want to rob their house is like, "Can I get a signature?" And they'll give you like when you go up, you're like, "What do you want?" You're in line. You say, "I want to get a signature from Tom King. I want to get a remark from Mitch Gerads. I want to get this." And they have these little handheld computers, and they punch in the what you want, and it says Mitch Gerad. Uh, remark, Tom King sketch, or Tom King uh, signature. And they print it out, and that way when you hand it up, they X off whatever they do as they do it, and then they take your receipt. So you can't go through the line again. So he goes up, and he's like, I, they didn't have on the list of things sketches from Tom King. So he goes up, he gets his signature on whatever, blah, 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 and he's like, hey, Mr. King, could I get a, 
a doodle, like one of your quick doodles, like uh, that people know about in my sketchbook? He's like, sure. So the lady working the behind the counter, like doing stuff, she kind of sees, sees what he's doing. And she walks over and she's like, hey, everybody, that's great. So, Mr. King, what are you charging for your world famous sketches? Just like that. Just like that. And she's, he's like, oh, this was, this was nothing. I just told him I'd do it in the sketchbook. She, like, you could see her get crestfallen for a second and then get, like, hot. So he finishes the sketch, says, thank you, Mr. King. I got whatever I bought. I got a Mitch Gerard, uh remark in my sketchbook. Like a thief in the night, this guy. Right. He leaves. We walk by the table again 20 minutes later. And in quick letters on the price list is Tom King sketches 50 bucks or whatever. Woo, baby. Right, yeah, like 10 bucks, 50. I don't remember what it was. But Ooh, they anything up- more than free, you know? Right. I, maybe it was 10. I'd have to ask them. But I want to think it was more because they were trying to stop it from happening because that slows down the line for somebody who just needs to do signatures. You know what I mean? I guess. But, but I'll never forget that. Anytime we're at a show now, I'll be like, so what did so-and-so charge for his world-famous sketch or whatever we get? You know what I mean? Right. Ugh, it just triggers me every time I hear it, so... So last bit of news, like I said, a big uh, heaping scoop of news this week. Um, you know, a couple months back, uh, like five, six months ago, a bunch of those DC product projects that were supposed to be coming to HBO Max and otherwise got canceled, shelved, whatever. And they had spoken, we had spoke that these things are going to just get shopped around somewhere else. And uh, I've been keeping an eye to see if and when certain ones were and... Uh, the Batman Cape Crusader animated series uh, with Bruce Tim, J.J. Abrams, Matt Reeves, Ed Brubaker involved. Looks like it's going to be going to Amazon. I have Amazon. I have Amazon as well. Uh, again, not a not a great company. Uh, they, they treat us. But listen, if they're going to have this Batman show on there, I guess we could mention them. Oh, yeah, that's right. They did do us wrong. <laughs> but I'm glad to see that this of all the things, because this was the one that I was most looking forward to of any of them, you know? Yeah. I, when that was coming out and then it, got, it went away, I was like, oh, okay, but you know, I'll watch it mm-hmm. for sure. So, uh, no announcement date. They're looking that it might be two seasons at the very least. Like I said, no release dates, no nothing, but we will keep you abreast of things as we get information here. Of course. I just hope Batman's neither dead nor out of costume for most of the time. <laughs> yeah. And what's his uh, what's his world famous son's name? Hunter something. Renfro, I think. Hunter Renfro. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so hey, uh, conventions this weekend, and it's a big weekend of conventions, right? Uh, West Coast, East Coast, wherever Kansas is. Um. Uh, Sacramento, California is having the SAC Comic-Con. Ooh. That's short for Sacramento, Todd. Okay. Uh, more so the comic book lot end of things. Um, Dan Brereton, Patrick Broderick, uh, Frank Cho, Tony Harris, Ron Lim, right? Right. Uh, Toronto Comic-Con is having one. Not so many comic book folks. Um, Jay Lee, Peter Tomasi is going to be there. But, Todd, I have a feeling that the new season of The Boys is filming in Toronto mm-hmm. because the entire cast is doing an appearance there. 
I think the, the new season is, is in the can already. You think so? Yeah, I believe I read that somewhere. Because the, over the next like month or so, the entire cast, and when I say the entire cast, I mean all of you know the Homelander side, all of the Billy the Butcher side, and even like one or two ancillary characters are hitting the convention circuit and hard. Right, right. So whether they've just wrapped up or they're like all deciding like, hey, let's have an opportunity for the next couple months while we have some downtown time in between film and stuff, you know? Right. But you can get your picture, like you can get the photo opportunities with like the entire, from one person to the entire cast to mix and match to any single person that you could possibly want. Right. Uh, I, I know who I'd want to get my picture with, but that's neither. I've either. Listen, I've said it before. It would be um, the guy who plays Homelander. He'd have to be in the full costume, and we'd both have to be drinking a glass of milk. Oh, I, you'd think they would just have them there. You know what I mean? You I, listen, I, you, you charge extra. You want the milk picture? That's extra. You want the non-milk picture? That's still going to cost you, but it's not as much as the milk picture, right? Right. I just saw that Eric Kripke was uh, putting out tweets that they like, you know, stuff from the set. And he said, this was the shot from season, the season four finale, like uh, just this week. So um, they pro- they're shooting the last episode now as we speak. So, right. So like I said, they're all together. So they're like, let's make a couple bucks. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and last but not least in Kansas City um, is Planet Comic Con. And it's a biggie. Right. Sure, people from the world of sports and entertainment are going to be there. Uh, Kevin Nash did miss his plane to Louisiana last weekend. Hopefully there's no Delta issues this weekend with your Kevin Nash convention update. Oh, boy. Uh, Media guests, uh, Richard Dreyfuss, of all people, is going to be there. Like, what have you seen Richard Dreyfuss do a convention? I don't know, but I would ask him lots of Jaws questions. And how cool was it to see the Anchor Blazer from Mayor Vaughn in person? Oh, I would be one of those people that be. I would just ask him questions about, like, what about Bob or something like that, you know? I will say, if I went to go get my picture with him, it's one of the only two characters in the history of the world that I would cosplay as. One of them is Mayor Vaughn in the Anchor Jacket. <laughs> Who's you the know, other one, Todd? Commodore Schmidlap from the Batman movie. <laughs> From 66. All right. <laughs> Just those two. Commodore Schmidlap and Mayor Vaughn. So. Uh, Cassandra Peterson's going to be there. Ooh. Elvira. I almost said Electra. So. I, you, I'm glad you corrected yourself and then outed yourself as a wrong person. Right. And Sh- William Shatner's going to be there. And, like, did I see something this week that, like, William Shatner's in, like, not great health? No. He came out and said that. This is what happened. He put. He's putting out a... A retrospective or he's putting out a video or something and he was talking about it and he's like i'm putting this out because whatever it was his take on things and he's like i don't like you know because i don't have much time left and everybody's like oh shatner's dying he goes i'm 80 i don't have a lot of time left <laughs> you know what i mean i mean it that way that i'm closer to death than i am birth and everybody jumped on it now whether he worded it that way Knowing that doesn't sound like the chat to me, mm-hmm. getting that you know free publicity, but who knows? Yeah, uh, but it's a big comic book representation at this convention as well. Uh, Colin Bunn, Kevin Eastman, Garth Ennis, Patrick Gleason, Phil Hester, uh, Jim Steranko, Roy Thomas is hitting the convention circuit. 
Oh, cool. Yeah, Fred Van Lente, Freddie Williams, uh, Amanda Connor, and Jimmy Palmiotti. And if you are heading to this convention, and if you are going over to the Artist Alley, friend of the show, longtime listener of the show, uh, David Church, is going to be there volunteering at Artist Alley all weekend. So he'll probably have, you know, like a a work and name tag on. And, uh, you know, tell him that we said hi. Yep. If he can go over and ask a t- Roy Thomas a ton of Captain Carrot questions, that'd be awesome. All right. You heard it here. Also, William Shatner, 91 years old. So. 91! Yep. Doesn't look a day over 80. No, he doesn't. Uh, but, yeah, so all the links to all of these shows are going to be uh, in the show notes, along with links to the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-namednetwork.com, soon-to-be-namednetwork.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows go up, you could find them there. Uh, and anytime any of the folks from any of these shows go on other shows and they let me know about it, you could also find them there. It's your one-stop shop for all the shows in the soon-to-be-named network. Of course, this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, At Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Wings on Wings, Hit My Music, Porch Talk, the Boutique series, uh, No Chance in Helmet, and coming soon, Heat with Water. <laughs> right. Uh, also, over in the show notes, of course, you can check out some of the links to some of our friends that are up to some stuff. Uh, go check out our friend Mike Sterling's blog at Progressive Ruin. Go check out our friend Kevin's blog at Masked Library. Go check out our friend Rick Williams' store at freekaratechops.storenv.com. Uh, go check out Chris Runt's fortressofcomicsnews.com, where you can check out his podcast as well as purchase his self-published comic, Battle Monsters. Jason Sandberg also has his self-published book, Jupiter, more on that maybe in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also check out our good friend Davey uh, Tomain and, I don't know the artist, Rosovia, but their book Keeper is available. You can find the links to all of that stuff there. I love helping out our friends that are doing the self-published stuff. Todd and I can't write or draw a lick. We just talk about comics. It's good to know people that have actual talent in the comic book world. That's right. I can draw flies. Oh, boy. That's about it. I, I drew a fish the other day for my kid. I showed him how easy it was, you know? Mm, how many did you do? One fish. That's fish math right there. Uh, enough of you. Uh, <laughs> but if you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, let our comic book shop be your comic book shop. Comics on the Green. We have the Cruise Facebook page linked up here. Uh, that's where Dave will put up the information about... Uh, New releases coming in, pre-order cutoff days, hot books to look out for, store closing allegedly because of snow. Uh, you could also sign up for their mail order subscription service, get books mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly. And if you do, there's a chance you can get a sketch from our good friend Becky. Go check out her social media uh, for all of her sketches, commissions, process, and so forth. Right. Now, Todd, let's get into what we're look- what we read from this past week, and I'll kick over to you uh, because I know we both read Adventures of Superman, John Kent, number one. Right, written by Tom Taylor, art by Clayton Henry. Um, you know, following the events of like the the last major Superman storyline, uh, Jonathan Kent, who has uh, 
revealed his because his father revealed his uh, identity. His identity was out, but now we establish early on that that's back. You know that he has a, a secret identity, and also going on is Ultraman is uh, transversing the multiverse, and he's killing Superman apparently. Um, so while that's going on, uh, something happens with uh, Lord Industries. Uh, satellites, they start falling from the sky. And though I will say, uh, if you're going to do something like that, uh, you should not have that uh, emerald green color that always makes me think of kryptonite. Yes. Um, because as they were falling out of the sky, I thought they were kryptonite satellites, but they weren't because he was able to handle them with ease. Um, I'm like, watch the coloring there, people. Um, then uh, somebody shows up to help him, which is President uh, Superman from another Earth, Val Zod. Um, and they come to just tell uh, Jonathan of what's happening with uh, Ultraman. And he's like, oh, I know who he is. He's the one who kept Jonathan on another Earth uh, trapped uh, and grew up. Like he was the, because of him, that's the years lost that uh, from a little kid to uh, the teenage years. Um, so he's like, oh, can you come help us? And they want to leave Superman out of it because he keeps killing Superman. And they're like, maybe we'll have an advantage doing this. And there's some nods to the red, uh, the earth two book because certain characters show up. And I read the Tom Taylor earth two book, and this is going to lead into his, uh, what was it called? Um, the injustice gods among us book. So this is basically the Tom Taylor verse and I'm down for it. Um, and I do love other than the green, uh, satellites, Clayton Henry's art on this is beautiful, especially there's like a close-up shot on uh, President Superman's face when he turns to talk to Jonathan. I'm like, that's a really great shot. And then later on, there's a, a close-up on a version of Red Tornado. And I'm like, I really like that look too. So the art looks absolutely gorgeous on this book. So it's Tom Taylor. It's a pretty good book. Yes, it is a good book. But I think I would be more richly rewarded if I read all the Injustice stuff. Did you read any of the Earth 2 stuff? I read none of that stuff. Okay, I was just curious. See, like, I'm with you. I didn't understand. Well, we have, I don't think we've gotten into much of the Injustice stuff yet. Mm -hmm. But we definitely was more Earth 2. And I was like, oh, okay. I know who uh, Red Tornado was on Earth 2 and, you know, all this stuff. So... Right, and they do a good job of catching you up on that sort of stuff so you're not kind of left in the dark. And they don't introduce too much too quickly. But, again, I feel as though if I was reading these books, it would have been a much um, much more impactful book, you know? No, I get you. I totally agree. Yeah, and I'm still here for it because I really enjoyed uh, the Superman Son of Kal-El stuff that Tom Taylor did. This is just going to be the bridge, essentially, to get from this story to the next story for Jonathan Kent, who I've been enjoying as a character and everything that he's established. And you had mentioned before, um, the art is beautiful in this book. Uh, Clayton Henry does an amazing job uh, uh, in this one. Right. Uh, so, yeah, you know, check it out. You know, definitely, if you, especially if you read the Earth 2 stuff, if you read the Injustice stuff, and you haven't broken into any of the mainline DC Universe stuff, uh, I recommend this. Cool. Uh, so the other book that I read from this past week that Todd, I'm sure, did not read uh, was The Gimmick, number one from Ahoy Comics, written by Joanne Starr, uh, art by Elena Gogu. It's a wrestling comic, Todd. Oh, okay. 
So I could go ahead and talk about this comic very freely. There's a bit in the beginning where your lead baby face character comes out. Um, you know, there's allusions made to him being, I guess, the John Cena of this world. Uh, his tag team partner is, you know, a Samoan heritage type person. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could say it's a Roman Reigns analog, right? And they're having a match with a guy who is m- doing a Nazi white supremacist gimmick, which there's a little bit of a twist that I don't want to give away here. And I think I really want to tweet at the writer and ask her if this is a reference to a specific person, because I think I know who it's a reference to, which is like about as deep as a cut as it gets. But anyway, Mm -hmm. um, our lead character, whose name is Shane, he gets kind of fed up with maybe the opponent, the guy who's doing the, the Nazi thing, is maybe taking his gimmick a little bit too seriously and accidentally exposes to a worldwide audience that he has superpowers. Oh, that can't be good. So now, after um, maybe losing control of his powers in the ring, mm-hmm. he is now on the run. Uh, he flees to Mexico. Now he has his family looking for him and his parents. We have the family of the person that he killed in the ring looking for him as well. And then we also have the woman, I guess. They don't say if it's his wife or his girlfriend or whoever, whomever it is. Um, but she definitely has his kid because his kid also has his superpowers as well. Gotcha. So they all see this get exposed on TV. He flees the country. Now all of these different people are on the lookout, like all trying to get him. Right. So while this was definitely a fun read, I hate when indie publishers do this and give away all of the book and the solicitation. Ah, okay. Kind of so, like uh, they did with what was it? Uh, where where uh, monsters lie? Yeah, that's I couldn't think of the name off the top of my head, but yes, go ahead. It's not so much they get like with the where monsters lie thing. They didn't give away like the whole crux of the book, but they gave away the reveal of the character that we're introduced to at the end of issue one. Right when we were going to get that in issue two. Well, we're going to get that in issue two. Um, where I think this solicitation could have done better with maybe concealing one or two of these elements. Mm-hmm. Um, it was still a good book. It was still really well done. Um, you know, Joanne is someone who is and has been entrenched and has been a lifelong wrestling fan. Right. Um, you know, we have mutual friends. Um, <laughs> but again, I don't think she knows me, but I know her and it's just one of those things. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a really good book and, you know, obviously supporting, independent books supporting books about wrestling that aren't like cartoony gimmicky over the top books that kind of yeah you know treat wrestling like the performance that it is you know i get you i get um but definitely a fun book definitely check this one out as well right and you talking about this made me think of somebody i hadn't thought of in a long long time that's a name i haven't heard in a long time that's right schlaz oh no (laughs) oh no he's right where you left him todd okay um so that's what we read last week let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week if you head over to longboxheroes.com every tuesday around noon uh eastern time we put up the poll post which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week whether you get your books in print whether you get them digitally whether you you get them sent to your home before Warren, before Arm. Know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. 
I am in the lead with one correct guess over Todd. <gasps> That'll When's change. the last time that I said that? I'm just giving you a head start, so it makes it me overtaking you. I look more awesome. See, you say that every year, but uh, I think you're you're full of baloney. Yeah, you don't have the stats anymore in here, so. Uh, I only put the stats in at the, like, the year-end thing. Oh, okay. Not so much the stats, but like it would be like, this year you won, that year I won. You know what I mean? Well, I, here, I, I have it here. I just don't, like I said, I only put it in the year-end whatever, right? Oh, I thought it was throughout the year. It doesn't no, matter. No, no, no. So you won... Uh, 2014, 15, 16, 17. That's a dynasty, baby. I won 18. Uh, you won 19. 20 was a tie. I hate that year. <laughs> I won 21, and you won 22. I'm dominating. Dominating. Yeah, that tie is a blemish on your record. I'll just say that. You know what? That is true. Worse than a loss, some would say. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I go. I started the show, so I'm looking at your slender read of a list, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Justice Society of America number three. It is, and I'm going to say it honestly because of lack of stuff that I'm genuinely interested in. Um, this is one of those down weeks. Um, I like the book, but uh, yeah, nothing else was uh, kind of jumping out at me. So uh, I'm looking over your list, and you have... Another weird thing is you have a bit way bigger list than I do this week. Um, is the book you're looking forward to most Hexcellent number one? No. Oh, is it uh, Just Society of America? It is. Oh, look at that. Two spots. Two spots. I, 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 t- I may have tipped you off before we started recording when I said, uh, oh, hey, the DC site is working again. Oh, okay. I will <laughs> I say that one. A little bit of a clue there. Ah, that one year I I look at it as instead of a push a double disqualification. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but yeah, so I, I you know I've really been enjoying the JSA stuff. It's Jeff Johns writing JSA. Um, sadly, the book does not come out on a regular monthly schedule. Shocking. <laughs> it's almost like Jeff Johns is too busy doing other stuff, like you know running the company. Right, and writing Junkyard Joe every month. That's on time, and that's good, that's, too, you know? That's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. he's not putting the emphasis on Justice Society. He's putting the emphasis on Junkyard Joe. Mm-hmm. Well, again, I think that's a little bit more personal of a project because they do, like, a lot of, like, veteran um, donation stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, uh, he probably gets a bigger piece of that one, too, you know? I still stand by those are unused for in his mind of a GI robot comics. Mm-hmm. And then his Geiger was just the atomic Knights. <laughs> He's like, I could no. All right. You won't let me do him here. I'm taking him to image. Yeah. You would think they would just let Jeff Johns do whatever he wants at DC, but like, at least yeah. that's, you know, but at some point it's like, who's even though it's Jeff Johns, who's buying an atomic Knights book, you know, I'd, I'd buy a Jeff Johns book. There you go. But I don't think a lot, everybody would. No, everybody doesn't feel the same way as I do. That's true. All right. So, hey, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out, um, you know, past episodes of this podcast, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. Uh, be sure to check out our store where you can buy shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. And check out uh, our ongoing yearly saga that we have here for Todd and Joe Have Issues, where we are doing a full reread from the beginning 
of Neil Gaiman's Sandman, and we're not just doing the full Sandman 75 issues. We're doing the miniseries. We're doing the one-shots. We're doing the, uh, the, the small stories that pop up in weird little spaces. And, uh, you know, we have, like, a fishbone of the list uh, pretty much in each week's Todd and Joy of Issues post. But if you want the more thorough list of the breakdown of when we're going to get to, like, we're okay... Um, if I'm looking at this here, I know I mention it every week, but I would be remiss if I don't mention it here. Um, one, two, three, four, five. We're about six weeks away from the list really changing a little bit, where we only have one issue. But like I said, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And then we're still about another two months after that, where we get into like the late 40s, early 50s, where we start adding some like, oh, I got to read like this miniseries and this solo thing here and that sort of thing, you know? Right. And it's a long time till you get to the weird one shot offshoot because he wasn't doing the book anymore, like short stories and stuff. Yeah. Uh, But here we are beginning uh, Season of Mists, as I say it correctly here, um, issues 21 and 22 of Sandman, which are actually, as they say here, issue zero or chapter zero, the prologue and chapter one of the story. Yes, I may have a story about that when we get to the end of this issue. Um, And I'll chime in where I have to. Right. So basically, obviously, always Neil Gaiman. Uh, and who was the, uh, the artist was Drigenberg for one last time, right? Yes. Mark Drigenberg, Mike Drigenberg and Malcolm Jones was the inker as they work beautifully together. Um, starts out with like, uh, destiny walking through his realm and it kind of discuss how his thing goes. It's like, you know, you're in his realm. You, you think you're making choices, but it's your destiny. And you see all these choices, like these roads laid out in front of you and you'll go, you'll take them and they may lead back up together again. But if you turn around, you may only see one path and none of those, you know, offshoots. So he's wandering around his, his realm and the, uh, the three, the three witches show up again this time in, um, I forget what they're actually called in this. They're the ones who like, uh, who, uh, the gray ladies, uh, he's like, what do I owe this visit? And they're like, Oh, we're here, you know, because something's gonna, gonna start here. He's like, and they basically give him, uh, you know, they're like, look in your book. Uh, a king will forsake his kingdom. Life and death will clash and fray. The oldest battle begins once more. And all these things start here. And he's like, not in my realm. Nothing begins in my realm. You know, there's just, you know, this place is beyond beginnings, beyond endings. And they're like, you know, everything's got to start somewhere. Um, so he ends up looking in, in the book and he realizes that he, you know, there's something that has to go on here. So he ends up calling a meeting and he goes in front of all the, the paintings and the sigils as we've established the way you you summon the siblings of the endless and he ends up summoning death who shows up as death as we know her and the, you know, the tank top and everything. And he's like, this is destiny's not happy. He's like, you know, this is a meeting. Everybody's coming kind of a deal. So could you change? She's like, Oh, you know, I hate wearing that stuff. Next, you're going to ask me to get the, the scythe out. And she ends up changing it into a beautiful dress. And that's one of the things that I like. I like, you know, when, when they change the designs and everything, and it's kind of like, you know, he patterned that on something, some famous dress or something. So he ends up, uh, bringing them one by one. We get, uh, Morpheus. Um, and he even says, I like the, the, the dress and she throws her tongue out at him. So that's kind of like 
fun. We get desire. I will will interrupt and just say that we have, you know, we've seen before where dream has summoned um, desire and vice versa. Right. And the portraits that they have in their realm of the other members of the endless, I think very much fit who they are, you know? Mm -hmm. And I love, as you mentioned before, where, uh, Destiny very much has the portrait of dream or dream of uh, death, and he has to cajole her into looking the way that she looks in the portrait, and the way that death looks in the portrait with the tricorner hat and the whole pump and circumstance. And there's no question or concern. That's how he is in the portrait, and that's just how he comes right out, you know. Uh, he's like, "Come to me," you know. Hmm. Well met, brother. And he's got like the hand. He's almost. It just looks so cool. So I like that desire is, you know, like wearing kind of lingerie, obviously despair. Um, you know, look, she doesn't wear anything. Um, and there, he's, uh, he's like, there's only when they get to desi- uh, despair, there's like, there's only two of us left to go. And Destiny's like, nope, only one of us will be, one more will be attending the gatherer, uh, the gathering. Um, The other one has made their wishes perfectly clear. And I forget where it was. I think it was maybe the Midsummer Night's dream story that they, at that point, they established there's seven endless. That's the first time they mentioned. So he's saying, basically, there's going to be six uh, only. And up to this point, we've met them all, dream, death, uh, despair, desire, and destiny. And the sixth they they bring is uh, delirium, and at this point is the one person that I do want to. I said I was going to mention, and because in this moment we've seen everybody show up and everybody talk, and I want to give Tom Todd Klein credit because he does all seventy five issues as the letterer, not only doing Morpheus's um, white lettering with the black background, which gives him a distinctive look. Every single one of the word balloons is distinctive to the endless that they have. That was a conscious choice by him and Neil and down to like delirium's weird color balloons and like death just looks like normal uh, uh, lettering. And then like there's like fancy for desire and everything. I'd never really noticed it. This is one of the things doing the rereading that I've come to appreciate more this time around didn't even notice it the first time other than a passing glance you know what i mean yes so so i'm sorry um so we get you know that delirium is kind of messed up and then they go into uh each of the endless that we see they give like a little story of like what desire is and like how she, how she is and if there's anyone you want to touch on there's like a line or something let me know as i'm going um I'll, just the desire one is is amazing how they describe it like always the one who's who's wanted never the one who wants kind of a deal how her eyes are um uh, then we get like despair how like she she can like you could find despair in mirrors and she'll reach out and grab you with her hook and like get you in the heart um and how she had like a uh, a sect in afghanistan um did you so, get that go ahead right sorry. so i'll just mention of course you know i, I do want to mention about the endless you know we, we found out in the midsummer's night uh ep- issue from last week when we talked about it that there's been seven endless We've definitely been told before that one has left, but we've never that one who has left has never been named. But this is when last issue, two issues ago, we know there's seven. 
this meeting is only the sixth of them, so the seventh is not joining them. And I still don't think they've named the seventh member of the Endless yet, have they? They have not in this. And I think maybe once before, they only refer to him as the prodigal. Yes, yes. And and I would say by this point, because we're on issue 21, it's like, all right, so we've met all the Endless up to this point, but the missing one, and they all begin with D. I'm like, does the seventh one begin with D? Like, mm-hmm. that's immediately what ran through my mind reading this. You know what I mean? Right, and I'll mention with the write-ups of each of the members of the Endless family, of course, I find it interesting that in Dreams, who's the lead character of the book, essentially, we get a bit in his write-up, which is essentially the pitch for the Death, the High Cost of Living miniseries. Yes, yes. Which is funny, and then with Death, it's just like, and then there's Death, and that's Mm -hmm. it. That's all we get on her. Oh, and that's always what it is. That's like... And I think it's it does well to just show, not tell. Like, we've met Death three times, four times. And I understand her character, like, better and better each time. Like, it's so well done. Um, the only one that I do want to bring up is Delirium, the youngest of the Endless. Uh, and they say... Uh, some say the tragedy of delirium is her knowledge that despite being older than sons, older than gods, she is forever the youngest of the, the endless who do not measure time as we do. Um, and then they say for delirium was once delight. Oh, and that was a long time ago. And even her, like her eyes are different colors and everything. Um, so they established that at one point that she was a different uh, thing. She wasn't delirium. She was delight. And I always wanted to read that story. You know what I mean? Right. So they're all there and they're kind of like, uh, what are we doing? He's like, I, I, I want, I bet you're wondering why I called you here. Destiny's like, yes. He's like, uh, the three sisters visited me and you know, the, the gray women. Um, and it, it's, they're just like, something has to happen here. So he's like, uh, just start talking. He's like, and, sh- and she's like, well, what is the occasion? Death is like, he's like, the meeting, that is all. Um, so they end up, you know, just talking and eating. Um, and at one point, uh, basically, Desire ends up bringing up uh, Nada. She's like, hey, have you killed any, like, lovers lately? Start banishing them to, to Hades or whatever. And Sandman Morpheus is just like, we like I'm not dealing with this. He's like, what did you just say? And she's like, oh, like you know. And I like that she kind of runs. She's like, you know, uh, your your trouble. Yeah, you don't ex- exactly have trouble free relationship. Let's see. There was that little one in Greece. What was her name? Carousel, which was Calliope, as we mentioned. And then that other female. Oh, that pretty on that pretty little plane with all the twinkly lights. You know who I mean. Um, and. We'll get that story. I, I honestly don't think you've read that story. So, um, and then finally, the one that you know, uh, what was her name? The Nada, and he's like, "You dare!" And she basically gives the story um, that you tortured, you sent her to be tortured for ten thousand years, and Morpheus like loses his stuff. He's like, "You've said enough. I'm going to do this." And Destiny's like, "Not in my place. Not in my house." Um, he's like, "I will go outside then." And Death's like, or D- Desire's like, was it something I said? Kind of like coyly, and De- I love Death. She's like, shut up, and if you ever want to speak again, shut up. And 
that is one of the few times that we see desire like cut to the to the core. Mm-hmm. Like death just shuts her down. And well, this is the crux of what this story is. And you know, obviously this is what we you know find out that this is why. And don't they say that this is the first time that all of the available members of the Endless have been together for their meeting like this in like centuries? In three hundred years, and it was to discuss the prodigals abandoning his his duties. Right. Now, I do want to just go back and touch on uh, Delirium just for a bit, okay? Um, Obviously, we're going to see her look change as the book goes on. Um, Here, even though she, you know, she makes butterflies, she's portrayed almost kind of like childlike in some points, Mm -hmm. you could definitely tell that she's seen and done some bad stuff. Right. She even comes pretty much right out and says a lot of it. Like, there's bits in here... Uh, where she's just randomly talking to no one, and she says that, uh, I met this guy in a club, in somewhere this club late at night, I don't know where it was, he wanted to kiss me, but I didn't like that, so I did stuff to him, so he only saw colors. She mentions another time, I met this little girl and she thought I was pretty, she was so nice, so I did something to her, something so she'd always be happy, always be happy forever and ever and ever. Mm Mm-hmm. And while she's just kind of like, you know, randomly and arbitrarily saying these things, um, uh, Desire makes an offhanded remark to her and calls her Delight. And a switch changes. And Delirium says Delight was a long time ago. And says, don't laugh at me. Don't make fun of me. I know what you think of me, but I know things none of you know. And then points at Destiny and says... I know things even he doesn't even know. And I'm just like, how deep is this character? And like, not to spoil things, but like, there's so we, we barely scraped the surface with this character. Yes, and I will say it is an active thought that Delirium changes look every... Delirium's never supposed to look twice, the, the same way twice. Right. Because she's like, you know, messed up kind of a deal. Um, and to tell you the truth, I'll say it here because we get a delirium story down the line. Spoiler alert. Um, and, uh, Jill Thompson draws that one, right? So she's like, okay, I'm doing the story. And they kind of, they touch on that. The delight became delirium. And at that time he's like, do you, do you know the story? Like Jill's like, do you know what it is? He's like, no, I put it in there. I have the, you know, I have an idea. He goes, but I don't know what it is. She goes, oh, well, I drew this story, big Delirium fan. When you know what this, what her origin is from Delight to Delirium, you have to let me know. And he's like, you'll be the first one I let know. He goes, so Jill Thompson says, like a while later, I get a phone call in the middle of the night and it's Neil. And Neil's like, I figured out how I'm doing Delight into Delirium. And I promised you, you would be the first person to know when I did. Thank you and good night and hung up on her. <laughs> Didn't tell her the story. He's like, I'm not letting that out in the, in the wild. And I thought that was absolutely fantastic. So I'm a big uh, Delirium fan too. For so sure. They, they go outside uh, Dream and uh, uh, Death and they talk and he's like, she's like, did you actually do that? Um, did you know, he's like, yeah, she, you know, she defied me and I gave her due warning, but she still spurned me and death. Like, so you sent her to, to hell. And he's like, yes. Death was like, desire was right. And he's like, what? Well, not about everything, but not anyway, you did a terrible thing. He's like, 
he's like kind of like wounded. He's like, eat at two death, you know, you you turn on me. He's like, just shut up and let me finish. And I love that like death who's all in his own head. Death or dream is all in his own head. Death is just gonna set him straight every time. You know what I mean? And she's like, uh, you know it doesn't work with us and more. He's like, I would have made her a goddess. He's like, you don't think dream is like, did you ever think she didn't want to be a goddess? You just like, we're going to do what you, you you wanted to do. And he's like, that was a, a really terrible. She doesn't say really terrible. You did a, a really blank thing. And he's like, now you can shout at me. And he realizes he's made a mistake. And um, Neil talks about this. He's like, Neil is kind of, our dream is kind of set in his way, but if you can make a logical, even old dream, if you could make a logical thing that he's, made a mistake he will go to the ends of the earth to like make amends and in that he's like well i've made uh you know i made a mistake i guess i know what i have to do and he's like uh i must journey to hell you know what i mean and she's like uh, she's like dream don't do anything stupid he's like well i'm going to hell i think i've already you know i've already done something stupid and uh uh, either I shall bring Nada out of hell or I shall see you again soon, my sister. See you for one final time, which is what everybody sees death for. And he's like, she's like, idiot. She goes back to the table and she's like, oh, dream had to leave. Um, but I guess, you know, their families together sit and talk. And maybe somebody who's stuffier than dream <laughs> desires like uh, talk further. There's no need. He is returning to hell. It has begun. And the great panel at the end where the, he just like magically snuffs out the candle on the table. And you're like, oh, this isn't going to be good. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, but the reason this two things that I know about this, the reason he did all those write ups on the endless is like those those little things. He's like, we've met some of them and despair. We really haven't seen um, so he's like, I have a reader and I'm going to throw six characters at once at you. You've only really met three. Maybe, you know, does destiny for, cause he's been around for years in the DC comics. I felt I needed to do an explanation. I think that was the best thing he did. Cause if you reread those, that's some of the best writing in this book are those. And then on top of this, the issue is a zero because he wanted to start with, Sandman going directly to hell to get Nada, but Karen Berger called him up and says, you can't. There's something going on in Demon this month that they're having a fight over hell and you can't go down there now because it's going to mess up like the continuity. And Neil said, it's the only blowout I ever had with Karen Berger. He's like, trust me, the people reading Demon are not reading, are not reading Sandman. And he ended up like, like being real hot about it. Then he ended up writing a letter and apologizing. And he thinks it worked out for the better to do this uh, one shot issue. So I always like that story that once again, Neil's getting tripped off by DC continuity and making lemonade out of lemons, like every single time. It's yep. fantastic. I think that's the sign of a true creative person that can weave around those other storylines that are going on in the greater DC universe, which won't be an issue for Neil coming up here shortly, um, but and still make it work and still yes. make it make sense, that sort of thing. Yep. Um, so on to 22, I guess? Yes. 
Um, so we start off 22 in hell and we see like, a, and like I said, this whole run of season mist is probably the best written story uh, arc in all of this run as, as far as I'm concerned. And just like them describing hell and, and, and like uh, Lucifer thinking and just like all the nasty stuff that we see, like people being chewed apart and gory stuff and on blades and demons with various different weird anatomies. And uh, they were like, basically the one thing we can all agree on was as bad as hell was it couldn't get any worse. And you're like, Oh, maybe it can. Um, so Lucian and uh, Matthew the Raven are sitting and they're ending up discussing Lucian's library, which has all the books that were never written, that were only written in people's dreams. And, like there's uh, J.R.R. Tolkien books, which was a book he said he was going to write, but he never got around to um, other books like uh, books. It, who is it? Uh, I'm sorry, Sherlock Holmes and stuff like that. And then there's one by Erasmus Fry, who is the, the writer from Calliope. Um, and I like that. So we get to see all that kind of stuff. And they're talking. Um, I do like that, that that Matthew ends up doing like he does. Uh, he's like, oh, your library. And he does like the, the Nevermore quote. And he's like, oh, like I have the complete pose, too, in the Southern Annex. And he's like, uh I Paul blah. He's like, I, I was doing Peter Laurie in that Roger Corman movie. <laughs> so we get exactly like kind of the character that Matthew is. He's the everyman. He's one of the everymen in the dreaming. So then uh Dream puts out this like a message. He's like, Lucian, I need to to see you. And Matthew's like, Oh, well, I wonder what he wants to see you about. And he's like, uh I don't think he just wants to see us. I think he wants to talk to everybody and every, they see like all these people showing up um, in it. And then we start to see Sandman drawn by Kelly Jones, the definitive or equal to Drisenberg when it comes to the art, this stuff here is so gorgeous. Um, and, and, and I think Kelly Jones does the rest of this arc, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. He does all the seasons of miss other than zero. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's one. I don't know if the, the, the Dead Boy Detectives is not him. I think Dead Boy Detectives is Bacalo. Right. So um, basically he's giving the every, – telling everybody I'm going back. Basically gives her the gives every the readers to a recap about Nada and what he did to her, and he's going to go get her. Um, and he basically you know says – I'm going to be gone for a while, but I figure everybody should know after what happened last time. And I was gone so long. Um, I don't want a, a rehash of that. And if anything like that happens again, he's basically talking about like people leaving their posts. He's like, I, I, I will definitely be displeased. And like the way he puts it, you're like, you are not, you are not going to do that to, uh, to uh, Demorpheus. So everybody leaves and he's talking to Matthew and he's like, I'm going to go. And he's like, well, what are we worried about? You're like, you're like dream. Like you're super powerful. He's like, no, not as powerful as the morning star. Like it's on the power scale. It's like him and then the creator. And I like that they say creator. They don't say God. You know what I mean? Like, so it could be any kind of religion, but he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm nothing over him. Well, at least you have the uh, surprise. And he's like, nope, that would be unbecoming. Um, I have to let him know that I'm coming. Uh, that's, you know, these things must be done properly. And Matthew's like, oh, smart boss, really smart. Um, so they end up 
uh, it, we back in hell and everybody's like, you know, there's a messenger from the dream King. Um, and Lucifer's like, bring, bring them. And he ends up sending, uh, Cain, which is a smart idea as, as we go. Um, and then we meet, uh, I can't think of the girl's name, uh, but she ends up the one who has the face missing with, with the half face. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like you, the only thing I hate more than accents written in comics is she's missing half her face. And he ends up saying in an interview that he wrote all her dialogue by closing half his mouth. And then whatever came out as he read his dialogue is what he wrote down. Um, and he's like, I try to get like maybe Lucifer to repeat stuff like Chewbacca and Han. So you get what he's doing, but I never liked that. She talked like this. Cause I always tried to figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I just kind of passed on it. I'm like, she's an ant, like she's a third like down of the character list. I don't really need to. If anything important happens with her, we'll get that repeating part. You know? Yep, yep. So uh, he's like, I have a message. Lucifer's like, give it to me, Kane. And he's like, he does like all the pop and stories. He's like, no, nope, the meat and the meat and potatoes of it. And he's like, uh, he's coming to talk to you. He's like, ah, that's great. Um, and they're all like, well, maybe we should hurt him. And, and Lucifer's like, nope, you can't hurt him. Uh, you can't have permission to do that. Kane is under the protection from somebody far more powerful than Dream. And they end up, you know, quoting the Bible. And it's basically uh, the mark of Kane. Anybody who touches Kane is, you know, in big trouble with the creator. He's like smart or else they would have, like, you know, boiled you alive down here. Um and I like that he kind of talks about, he kind of makes fun of Cain. And then he talks about uh, like a sect that was dedicated to him and stuff like that. And they kind of gave in to all their natural lust and desires, but no more, no bigger percentage of them than any other religion came down here. Isn't that funny? And Cain's like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. I don't really care kind of because, you know, he's, he's nervous. And then Lucifer is like, well, well, he's coming back. Isn't that wonderful? Kind of dream. And there's, a, said, and there's a couple times during the course of this where Kelly Jones draws um, Lucifer as very intimidating and very scary. Mm-hmm. That particular panel there where he says, isn't that wonderful? And there's one other panel um, later on where he draws Lucifer almost like as a matinee idol. Right. You know, just to kind of, I think, convey to the reader, you know, the I, I would say the, the delight and the joy that he feels to be able to have this moment, this tete-a-tete again uh, with Dream to be able to um, redeem himself from the embarrassment that Dream did not only to him, but all of hell previously. And what was that like back in issue four of the book? Yep. Yeah. Where he's where Lucifer's like, I will get my revenge. Yep. And now he doesn't have to, he he doesn't have to go dreams coming to him. Yep. And I love the fact too, because Neil said when he talked with Kelly Jones on this panel, especially this one where he's like, he's coming back. Isn't that wonderful? He goes, he goes, nothing is going to be scary. There's no face you can draw. That's evil or Joker like, or scary of Lucifer smiling. He goes, I want to see a picture of Lucifer looking genuinely happy that Morpheus is coming back. You know what right. I mean? And that's and what was, I'm talking about. Those yeah. two panels in particular, I think. Yeah. It will, ne- nothing will ever be scarier than that. Um, 
So now uh, Dream is, ba- you know, he's making his rounds because he he leaves the messages with his people, and now he goes to uh, Hippolyta, who's who has the baby, and she's like, she's talking with her friend. He's like, oh, this and that, and they're doing all stuff. He's like, and with Hector gone, um, I never really got around to even naming the baby, and you know, uh, so I don't know what I'm doing, and. She walks the, the the friend out, and she comes back in, and Morpheus is in there, and she loses it. And he's like, calm yourself. Um, you have nothing to fear for me. I just come to see your son. She lays down, like, what happened? She's like, nothing. You're like, you killed his father, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm not letting you get anywhere near him. It's like, listen, I don't have time for this. Your son's important. It's unusual for a child to be gestated in the in, in the dreaming, um, uh, for a child to be formed in my realm. And she's like, you know what? I don't want to hear all this. You know, it's all your fault. He doesn't have a father or a name. He's my son and he wants nothing to do with you. Um, and he's like, listen, you do not understand, but I'm going on a journey. Um, I merely wanted to see the boy. Um, good, goodbye and farewell. And by the way, his name is Daniel. (gasps) Yep. And she looks furious. And then she looks down at the baby and she's like, Daniel, and she smiles, and you know, I think that may stick, Joe. Oh, Todd, this is issue twenty-two. This happens in. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, so now he's like, uh, one more person to find to see, and then final goodbye to be said, and then off to hell, off to Nada, off to Lucifer. And he ends up going through dreams to find what he wants until he finds a, a winemaker, and he finds a bottle of wine that he wants, and he goes. And he meets Hob in his dream, and he's, like, doing all this weird stuff because it's a dream, you know what I mean? And he's, like, uh, just, like, Hob, you know, I'm here. And he's, like, oh, it's you. He's, like, I thought you weren't due for, you know, another 99 years. He's, like, wait a minute. A computer, you know, Queen Bess, like, I'm dreaming. He's, like, yep. He's, like, and I have a gift. Chateau Latif, 1828. He's, like, that stuff, there's no more on Earth, and I know. And he's, like, there's a few left in dreams. Um, and he's like, what are we celebrating your birthday? I like dream. Like, Oh, you gotta be born to have a birthday. And he's like, no, he's like, I may be gone for a while. Um, and I may not read. I didn't want to leave it like last time. He's like, uh, that I may not have gotten back to you. So I wanted to come and tell you. And I like that Hobbs like, Oh, the idea of someone a long time to someone like you, like sends a shiver down my spine. And he's like, all right, let's do a toast. And Hob does the toast. And I've used this toast at, at many of occasion. Um, to absent friends, lost loves, old gods, and the seasons of mists. And may each and every one of us always give the devil his due. He's like, that was a bloody peculiar toast. He's like, but, you know, in these dreams, you know, strange things happen. And I love that in that just toast, pretty much sums up what, you know, part of this story. You know what I mean? Um, like, it's an onion, so it's, it's layered, Joe. Um so I want to mention this, of course, with him going to visit Hob in his dream. Mm-hmm. With him going to Hippolyta, Hippolyta with uh baby Daniel, with him, Dream, having the meeting with all the other denizens of the dream realm. A 75 year ago Sandman would not have done these things. Yep, we say or it all the time. Did, or if he did, he would not have done them in the same way. Mm-hmm. And it goes to show the growth of this character. And I love seeing, 
you know, obviously you and I have read this so many times, but to reread this now for the first time in so many years, I feel as though I say it every week, but it's something that bears repeating to see the growth of this character over the course of just essentially two years, less than two years of the book and where we're going to come with this character over the next like four to five years of the book. Mm -hmm. I love it. I'm with you. I'm with you. Literally, Dream, like, in, in comics, Dream is a character who has growth. In a world where there's the illusion of change is a famous phrase, there's no illusion of change in Sandman. There's change. Um, so I'm with you. So now, kind of, uh, Lucifer's given uh, Kane the escort to uh, back to kind of the to the exit of hell and he's talking about like you know all the people in the desonins of hell and he's like um everybody you know uh people you know are making their play and he even ends up going like there was recently a minor demon a rhymer which is the demon um you know made a play but it was all too briefly and i let it play out because you know it made him happy and i'm like once again, Neil's playing in the DC sandbox, making lemons, lemonade out of lemons. It's like, it's a nice little story. We don't need it. Me and you don't, wouldn't need that. But he just throws it off. And I kind of like, to once again, to do it, he makes it work. Um, and he's like, uh, so go on your way. And he's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and then Morph- uh, Morpheus, Luc- Lucifer is like, basically does what... Sandman did and he calls out to all his people and he goes over the like the course of like the millennia and everything that we've been doing and he's like and you think nothing ever changes and that everything is the same and he's like but I tell you this this day you shall remember forever and so shall he and because he was talking about God for a little bit and it's like you know he's laying down wrath on what his plan is going to be um so Sandman's like it where it where is he meaning Kane? He's like Kane is returned. Lucian says, and I like that Kane, who is the mean guy to Abel all the time, and he's just bloodthirsty to his brother. Like he has a breakdown because Lucifer made fun of his 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 mark, and he's like he didn't he didn't even care about me. He didn't he just thought it was funny, and a merciful Sandman once again as we talk maybe seventy five years ago, a hundred years ago, Sandman wouldn't have done this. He tells him to rest. You've done well. Um, and then like a nod, it's like a poetry because it rhymes. He ends up, he's like, well, I do what I must do. I, you know, I sometimes have no choice. Uh, Good. Todd, I have to interrupt you. Yeah. So after all of this, and as you mentioned, Kane comes back and he's shook. And Lucian makes one last plea, tells him to reconsider. It's too late. And I have the book here in front of me. To which Morpheus says, we do what we must. Sometimes we can choose the path we follow. Sometimes our choices are made for us. And sometimes we have no choice at all. Todd, reading these many years after they had come out, like Mm -hmm. I said, I didn't really start reading Sandman until probably about 1990, late 93, 94. And I read this. And then I heard this maybe like two years later. This end of this issue may have liberally been stolen line for line for an early sad Scotty Flamingo promo. Oh, really? Yes. Um, Raven, sad Scotty Flamingo, whatever, whatever. 
is and always has been a big comic book fan. Um, he would always wear the Sandman shirts as they would come out throughout the course of the year on TV um, as part of his gear. Uh, Tony Schiavone, who was a commentator for WCW at the time when Raven was working there, now works for AEW, uh, would always talk about um, how he and like how like if you know what Raven looks like, the character Raven, the wrestler Raven, what Scotty's reputation is. And Tony Schiavone is like a family man. Like he did like, he's a baseball fan and he's a sports guy. But the one thing that they had in common was Swamp Thing comics. And Swamp Thing comics led Raven to introduce Sandman to Tony Schiavone. Mm -hmm. And not only would Raven always work in the Sandman shirts on the TV, but there's stuff, like, not line for line, but there's definitely stuff from the previous issue, where he's going over the descriptions of the members of the Endless Family. Mm -hmm. A lot of those ideas end up being Raven promos years later, but this one that ends issue 22 is line for line verbatim a Raven promo that he uses on TV that he used on TV. Okay. I'm going to say this. I don't know if I hate that or love that. (laughs) Um, but no, because I will say this, Joe, like I I bag on wrestling, you know, maybe it's a bit, maybe it's not, Eh, it could be both. It could be both, but I will say this flicking through the stations in 90, whatever it would have been like, uh, let's say like 96 to 98. Whatever, I would stop on wrestling, not to why I'll, I'll you know not doing a bit a joke, but to stop because I would Raven's shirt would make me stop. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I'd be like, it would, and I and I think I've said this before. It was one of the two places that I saw Sandman merchandise. One was on Sad Scotty Flamingo on whatever channel it was that I was watching, and the other one was Roseanne. Right, because Darlene had the poster on her wall of uh, death, right? Right, the Chris Piccolo poster. Yeah. And it absolutely blew me away to see something I loved in mainstream media. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, to me, because it was still a niche. It wasn't... Right, 30 years ago, comics wasn't what comics are today. Right. But Sandman would definitely be one of those things that opened the door. For people, because as we always say, this is the book that you would give to your friends, your ever anybody, and it brought way more women into comic shops. I know I say this over and over again, but it did. It, it opened the door, and it was written so well. You know what I mean? So right, so good. But I will say one last thing on that little uh, that Raven promo at the end that I do love that it's the same look and kind of gesture that he does to open the portal to go fight Doctor D. Yes. It's just like that whole, like, I want to laugh at almost how absurd the pose is, but it's every time that he's ready to go into battle, he puts the helm on and then away he goes. Joe, what you have the actual comics in front of you, right? I have the trade. The trade. What color is the helm in this? Uh, so it's kind of like a yellow, almost right. with like red eyes. Mm-hmm. Like okay. I say, yellow. It's like, like you know, it's like a greenish almost, like a greenish yellow. Sure, right. Because I'm wondering if this is where they take that new up and coming like box set with the helm bookends. I think that what is supposed to be, you know, uh, attributed to how it appears when he visits, um, you know, Wesley Dodds. Okay, 
or in the, in the original version of four when he goes to hell mm-hmm. to get the helm back it's green in that one and then it's recolored in all the subsequent reprints to be that blackish gray color and the only reason i ask this is because it's making me wonder i start have to decide on which version of the helm book set i'm buying oh you know you got to get them both todd there's a good chance i have to i have to maybe discuss whether or not i can get a bigger discount if i buy two five hundred dollar book sets but we'll see so i kind of wanted to know what it was in your version you know what i mean but and i'm gonna get a ton of direct messages by both by both you know but so many times uh during the course of this issue i was getting chills mm-hmm. i know how this story ends right mm-hmm. but the way that sandman was treating how big of a deal it was that he was going back to hell so soon after his previous encounter with lucifer mm-hmm. he was convincing me the reader that he was not coming back and we were seeing his contingency plan being laid out. I mean, and I don't want to give, you know, much away, but like, like Lucifer, like telling the people, like he's cutting a promo on the mountain too. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. He's like, wait, you see, you think you've seen it or you've not seen anything. Wait until Morpheus gets here. And what I'm going to do, trust me, you people will be talking about this forever 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 and i'm like yes you will be because his plan is so devious joe so devious and that's all i'm gonna say and we'll get there next week uh when Mm -hmm. we talk about issues 23 and 24 and of course as the season of mists roll on yep such a good run yep And uh, last but not least, uh, spoiler-filled discussion of Mandalorian. Yep. How many uh, sentences can you review that show in, Joe? Do you really want me to give it the uh, the short, short, short version? You can do whatever you want. Uh, Mando is still looking for a part for the IG-88, but it turns out that he needs him because he needs a spelunking droid. Sure. To test if the uh, air on Mandalore actually is toxic. Um, Amy Sedaris convinces him to take RD42, what's his name? R5D4. R5D4, as I always say, my spirit droid, because Uh I have a busted motivator too. So, uh, they send him, and of course, I always like when droids are programmed to have feelings and emotions. Right, so they could be horrified what you make them do. Right, and it turns out that, um, the air on... Uh, Mandalore is okay. Um, Mando uh, runs afoul of, like, cave people that we later find out are called the Alamites. Right. Uh, he then, Mando, gets trapped by, like, this mechanical spider thing. Right, he gets trapped by General Grievous done right. I was gonna say, trapped by, like, low-budget General Grievous, who's inside the spider. Mm -hmm. Though that did look cool, the big magnified eye. Yes. Um, baby Yoda sees this, uh, uses his little bubble to go back to the episode one fighter, fly back to, uh, Bo-Katan, convince Bo-Katan to come to Mandalore to save the Mandalorian. She does. Then they go to the, the, the waters, <clears throat> excuse me, which is where Mando wanted to go to. Uh, Bo-Katan tells a story about the history of the waters, specifically, 
about the mythosaur that lives in these waters that was slain by the original Mandalorian, and they based the Mandalorian corporate logo on this thing. <laughs> right. And wouldn't you, wouldn't you know that beast is still alive in the waters? Right. Um, There's the episode. You're not wrong. I said only two things. Like, obviously, we needed R5-D4, so R5-D4 could pilot Grogu back to... Uh, Bo-Katan doing her uh, what about me, what about Raven pose on her throne. Um, and then the fact that she does tell uh, Mando, hey, you know, you you believe all this stuff that you can't take the helmet off. Like, I, I heard all the fairy tales as a kid. I don't believe them. It's all nonsense. And he's like, but this is the way. She goes, all right, well, I'll take you to the waters. And she does. And he ends up falling, which is the biggest step in history off the, the waters there. And he goes down and she goes down and saves him. But she sees the mythic monster that's in there. And the only thing that I think is now she's a true believer. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is what's going to convert Bo-Katan to, like, his way of looking at things. Right, because she would say, like, when she was a child and she would go out there and recite the things, mm-hmm. it was because what her father wanted her to do, and it's what the people wanted to see. Right, all the fairy tales and whatnot. Right. Um, now, I have a question for you, because I was talking to uh, your other co-host about this uh, after this week's episode. Do you ever get the feeling, because Pedro Pascal, now, granted, I don't believe he's in the costume most of the time anymore, Um, Because he's such a big star that he's got the voice rights kind of like down. He's like, just use my voice. Um, Do you think at any point we could get rid of him and say, keep Katie Sackhoff or any other person that's in Mandalorian armor to carry on the show? Just because the show is not called Jin or Din or whatever his name is. It's called the Mandalorian. As long as we keep. Let's see how contract negotiations for season four go. But do you see what I mean? I can yeah. see them because she ends up helping Grogu and she's like, uh, and I'm like, I honestly think they know they only have Pedro Pascal. He's becoming bigger and bigger. They only have him for a limited time and they're laying the groundwork to to replace a Mandalorian with another Mandalorian. Again, awesome. they introduced tons of other ones, you know? Right. Um, once again, I may be overthinking a few things, Joe. So. Right. So that's it. The first two episodes of this were kind of light and breezy, you know? Yeah, I will say this. Andor ruined Star Wars for me. Oh, my goodness. I can't go back to pew, pew, pew. I like espionage and deep dialogue and boring stuff. I I love it. (laughs) Well, uh, so we'll have the next episode of Mandalorian to talk about next week. Maybe we'll have Shazam 2 Fury the Gods to talk about next week. I don't know. we got to figure out what the schedules look like and see if Double J wins the belt. (laughs) Um, but I think that's it, right? Yeah, that should be everything. All right. So for Todd, this is Joe closing out episode 649 of Longbox Heroes, and we will see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain.
You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five five stars. 